For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. is playing for the national title. It's too long, and Syracuse is your national champion. Who's out? Who's out? Who's out? Who's out? Welcome back to the Believe in Syracuse podcast. And man, Josh Crawford got a nice little break. Got back to Memphis over the break. Went to Nashville twice. Um, but how could I ever miss? the snowy embanks of upstate New York. So I'm back. The semester started, you feel what I'm saying? The basketball team is looking pretty good. Um, football team is still, you know, gaining some momentum in the recruiting trail with France, still picking up guys. So, uh, you know, it's all around smooth looking for Syracuse Athletics right now. But we do have a really big game coming up in the Dome on Saturday. I'll be there covering it for Fan Nation. So if you see me say something, don't be a stranger. But as I've done in the past with football, Y'all know, I like to collaborate with the other beat reporters, really get in depth in terms of, like, what these other teams are looking like. Stuff that you can't necessarily just pick up from the box score. So, I got, I think, you know, I can consider you a friend, Liam. I'm gonna say, I have people on social yeah. media that I've interacted with this much. Liam Willerup, is that the correct pronunciation? Yes, correct. Okay, bitch. Liam Willerup from uh, All Hurricanes, there to Miami, Florida, not Ohio, um, Fan Nation site. Uh, me, and, me and Liam chopped it up a lot last night. And then, like I said, you know, I really like to get in there with some of the other big reporters because, like you said last night, too, is it's just certain things that you got to get outside of your own perspective to learn about your team, to hear from, to get that confirmation bias. And um, it's always better to have two, two extra sets of eyes. Bet Online remains your top spot for all your live betting action and contests. NFL, college football, UFC, and NHL are all in full swing. BetOnline is your number one source for your wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions with both desktop and mobile access at any time. Head to BetOnline today and use your promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. So, Liam, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing great. Maybe not too much in terms of what Miami basketball did last night against Florida State, but, you know, we're going to overlook that. You know, it's a next game mentality. We want to get back to the tournament. Okay. Oh, okay. You, you talk about overlook. Let me let me touch on it just a little bit because I know in-state game, rivalry game for y'all, conference game for y'all, a game that I was expected y'all to win, especially with how Florida State looked this year. Um, Jeremy Walkers has come on a little bit. But um, and like you said at the top of the pod, um, I, I, I think would it be um would it be out of pocket to describe the season as uh disappointing for y'all so far? 
No, not at all. I mean, I think people didn't realize how seismic of a difference that losing Isaiah Wong and Jordan Miller was going to be. I mean, look at Jordan Miller right now. He's leading the G League in regular score, uh, regular season scoring right now. You know, Isaiah Wong's doing his thing as well for the uh, Mad Ants. But it, it's a different team. Obviously, Matthew Cleveland gets brought in, and you're going to have guys like Wuga Poplar, Nigel Pack, and Norchad O'Meara take steps. But, you know, the depth is just frightening for this team. You know, you don't have that depth that you did last year with guys like Bensley Joseph and Harlan Beverly and Anthony Walker coming off the bench, you know, as much as Anthony Walker might have caused frustrations, he's probably better than some of these backup reserves we have right now. So um, definitely not the team that we want to be looking like right now, but, you know, we have, you know, the top, some of the top wing players in the conference on our team. And, you know, we're able to turn it around with Norchad Amir, not only being, you know, healthy, but also being able to be out there, not in foul trouble. You know, this team still has potential to go a lot of ways. No, like I said, you know, last night and I'm gonna reiterate it on uh on here because I really do believe it. Like, man, I was high on y'all in the preseason. You got, like I said, you got three starters coming back from a Final Four team, guys that were contributors, starters, literally for that Final Four team, not guys that just you know you said got experience because they was on the bench. Um, you brought in a guy Matthew Cleveland who, you know, I think is I view as a legitimate NBA prospect. Definitely was, I would say, a top ten. I guess I think I said it, I don't know if I said it to you like this last night, but I'll say it here. I think that talent-wise, y'all have four of the top ten guys in ACC. I haven't looked at scoring, but like pulling up y'all stats, y'all got even though with the, some of the struggles and injuries, y'all okay. Well, Nigel Pack's at fourteen, but y'all have four guys averaging over fourteen points a game. Um, yeah. And it's not even a thing to where we'll talk a little bit about us. You know, Judah and JJ games aren't super complimentary. Both of those guys like kind of score in the same way. This is for me. This is JJ's first time really being an off-ball guard in his entire life, and you know, he's, he's kind of hit his stride a little bit in conference play, but it, it definitely was some rough rough patches. But I, I would thought from from my perspective, as I looking in, that, you know, Wooga, Matthew, and Nigel would all kind of be, you know, a seamless fit. You know, you got Wooga and Nigel, like again, last year um, with Isaiah Wong and Jordan Miller, you know, they provided a lot of the scoring punch. And, you know, without y'all having a traditional point guard, Wong kind of ran the offense a little bit, and Jordan Miller was kind of that do-everything wing. So, um, you know, it's enough basketball, I think, for Jim Lanega to figure it out. Oh, I thought. Um, and like I said, Matthew Cleveland coming in, you know, I I I really thought y'all were prepared to um to make a deep run in ACC and be at the top with the with a Duke and the UNC. But like I said, being from Memphis, the first game that I sat down and watched an uh, entire forty minutes of y'all was versus Kentucky, and obviously you know Liam that didn't go great. Kentucky looks like a Final Four team right now, but I would still say I mean y'all can match y'all can match most teams in the country guard for guard. Dylan Ham, DJ Wagner, Reed Shepard, who's kind of burst on the scene. But like uh -huh. I said, y'all have y'all have three of the best guards in the country, and you know, from my perspective, you know, like I said, Judah and JJ gives us a puncher's chance in most games because most you're not gonna we're 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 gonna be the most dynamic backcourt in most matchups, even in ACC play. But that's not the case here. So I just want to hear from your perspective. Um, you know, like you said, you said injuries, you said a little bit of depth, but what's on the court wise? What's truly been the reason for um the lack of success for y'all? I think it's lazy turnovers. You know, if anyone wants to go back and even watch any part of that tape from last night, there was a bunch of careless turnovers Miami had for no reasons. You know, guys running, jumping, throwing uh, chest passes to absolutely nobody, you know, getting backcourt violations, all that sorts of stuff. There's no reason why you should be having that stuff. And it needs to be more composure. You know, you got a guy like Wuga Poplar and uh, 
Matthew Cleveland that are, you know, lightning in a bottle, you know, when they go out there on the court. You know, Matthew Cleveland's always swinging up the uh, court. Wuga Poplar's always trying to do some crazy stuff in isolation, you know, to get a bucket. And, you know, of course, because he's got great physical tools. But at the end of the day, there's not a lot of composure on this team. I think that's what Isaiah Wong and Jordan Miller both brought, guys that really didn't turn the ball over a lot. I mean, if you look at our stats right now, we got four guys uh, averaging at least two turnovers a game, which is terrible to have on your team. And we need that more efficient ball, you know, dominant guard that can be able to pass the ball. You know, sometimes it's Nigel Pack, sometimes it's Bensley Joseph, but it's too inconsistent with who we go to. And, you know, Jim Laranega mentioned it in his press conference before this FSU game that, you know, if Miami, we turn the ball over too many times, you're going to lose. And, you know, that's exactly what happened. And, you know, Florida State disrupted us. But not even only did they disrupt us, but we literally disrupted ourselves. So if we imploded ourselves, you know, how are we going to win games? So that's kind of what's been going on with Miami. It's been the turnover stuff, but a lot of other things, you know, rebounding, size, foul trouble, and, of course, our depth. So, mm. um, I, I can relate to you on the front court thing. Uh, we we brought uh, – Coach Ray brought in a guy in the Hema Cloud who, you know, the portal gives and takes away. We, like we talked about last night, we got we got a we had a guy Jesse Edwards leave, um, who was never really going to stay because just he was unable to get money here, just because a lot of, from him being overseas, some complications with his nil um, status, and that was the really thing. Like he wasn't un, unsatisfied with the program any type of way. But that's fifteen to ten walking out the door. Um, yeah. You brought in a guy in the McLeod that looks like him only purely because of size. He's uh, he definitely like I said, he's a guy that was. Available in the portal for a reason, like even especially that size coming from a uh, ACC program. So, you know, he he had he's had moments. Uh, he had moments out for the year for, uh, for a surgical procedure on his right foot. He had moments where he was really good cleaning the glass, providing rim protection. But there were moments where he was just unplayable. It's like um, Grammy K versus in, uh, in Maui the Gonzaga game really exposed him. And after that, you know, I really thought it was downhill, even to the point where you know once we got to the Georgetown game. He was only getting 10, 15 minutes anyway. But, you know, he was a 7-4 presence out there. So, we don't – after uh, after Big Duke, uh, we got Munir Hema, who's he's, – he was actually really good last year. I would probably started him over McLeod. But that's the only big that we have in our, uh, what, eight-man rotation, nine-man rotation, depending on if Pierre DeCary is feeling good or not. Um, and I, like I said, I can feel you because, you know, we're small, um, but we don't shoot the ball that well, and we don't get out in transition that much, which is kind of like literally playing away from our strengths. So it's a, it's an interesting thing because, like I said, you know, losing McLeod, well, um, that'll definitely affect. Like I, I said in my article yesterday, um, out of the top eleven, you know, highest averaging rebounders in the ACC, we had to face nine of them. Still, um, O'Meara is one, like you said, but him being a more burly guy, six seven, um, you know, Malik Brown held up. It's a strong word to say, but he didn't look physically overwhelmed against Armando Baycott. He used his quickness. He uses his lane. Um, and I feel like he, he can do that against Omir a little bit in a similar fashion. Um, but what do you see in terms of, uh, I guess, the front court side going forward? How would that affect y'all? Yeah, I mean, so obviously it's, you know, you, Omir, you know, in the middle and, you know, guys like Matthew Cleveland going around because technically we play with four guards is what it's listed as. And, you know, Omir is really the only true forward slash big on this team. But I mean, the problem is, you know, he is the only guy, you know, you mentioned he's, you know, a six, seven might not even be, he might even be six, six. I mean, I don't know if that height is really exact from what I've been able to see from him, but, you know, one of the more physical guys in not even the conference, but just, uh, you know, division one basketball in general. 
Uh, there's not really guys that are that kind of physical specimen like him. So, you know, if you're able to get him in foul trouble, you know, I know Syracuse, your last lineup that you rolled out against Pitt was, you know, kind of exactly what Miami wants to see in a lineup that we face where, you know, they don't have too many guys that are, you know, six foot 10 or above, you know, all your guys in that starting lineup were below six foot 10. So that's where an Omir kind of thrives. But, you know, if, even if you're able to knock him out, you know, get him in some foul trouble early, you know, you throw in an AJ Casey in there or a Michael and Wilco who had, you know, some really bad moments last night, you know, that's where it becomes a problem. So obviously Matthew Cleveland's going to be probably guarding, you know, your, your four. And then while Omir is going to be, you know, perimeter, uh, sitting in there in the set paint, you know, guarding uh, the five, doing his rebounding. But, you know, if you get him in trouble in fouls, you know, it's going to be open paint uh, for the orange. And that's what we saw last night from the Seminoles. Mm, Cause now I, I, like I said, watching the highlights, uh, I like Jameer Watkins. Um, like I say, he's a guy, like, he looks like a three in the NBA wing. Um, was it Darian Green is a being a Memphis guy? That was one of the um, I guess the big AAC transfer that Penny missed out on. I looking too bad for his top ten, but you know we we want all the we want all the snacks. But um, there wasn't I didn't see a ton of guys getting downhill for Florida State in the way that Judah and JJ definitely will. So I wanted mm -hmm. to ask you in terms of rim protection for Almir. Like you said, it doesn't look like a lot uh, behind him, but even him at six six and. You know, he um he moves well for his size. Um, he doesn't have a ton of vertical pop. Is he a guy that provides rim protection in a way that could be a deterrent for guys like Judah and JJ? I mean, not entirely. I mean, obviously blocks don't say anything, but we don't have a single guy that averages a block a game. I mean, you know, Bensley Joseph is number one on our team with 0.8, and Bensley Joseph, you know, those, those blocks are kind of different, and that's all stat padded from when he had a five-block uh, five block game. But nonetheless, uh, you know, Omir, I mean, really what he's going to be able to do is just kind of push Judah and J.J. around. It's not really going to be, you know, contesting them at the rim. You know, you see struggles because he's got to be able to contain himself. If he goes too aggressive at these guys when they're attacking the rim, he knows he's going to get the foul called on him, and that's the last thing Miami needs to deal with is him, you know, with two fouls early or so forth. Because once you pull him out, it throws off Miami's entire game uh, plan because Jim Laranega loves to play the offense through Norchad O'Meara. But, yeah, I wouldn't say his rim protection is anything in terms of great, you know, um, and we really haven't had such a great rim protector. I mean, look back at what happened to us in the Final Four against UConn last year and, you know, how they were able to just dominate getting into the paint. You know, not only did they have, you know, a guy like Jordan Hawkins, but, you know, Donovan Kleen, all those other guys in the team were able to – Adem Bona – uh, you know, there's a reason why uh, they were able to dominate us. It's because we aren't the greatest in terms of interior defensive presence. Okay, I got you. You know, like I said, uh, you know, like we discussed, like it's uh, it's a, a slight disappointment for y'all this year. Y'all haven't um, let me make sure y'all have not been able to secure a no. Y'all have one one quad one win um away a victory at Virginia Tech in Blacksburg. Uh Sean Badula, he went absolutely off in that game. But uh y'all able to secure the dub. So that's all that matters. Um y'all were eleven and two going into twenty twenty four. Um y'all feel a, a kind of a rust patch of lately in terms of you know ACC play Louisville loss, which that legitimately may be the worst loss in the country from a power five team right now. Wake Forest is um it looks good right now with a uh, Hunter Silas. But um y'all have lost three out of the past four. So uh, for me, like I said, just reviewing some of y'all's tape, I 
y'all are coming off probably y'all's best one of the season at Clemson, a team that Memphis beat too. But um, the PJ Hall in Shefflin, you know, those are guys that you talk about not having front court size. I feel like that would have been the game to that would have hurt you the most. So how were y'all able to beat Clemson in the game that feels like y'all's best win so far? And then what happened after the Clemson game that led y'all to lose their three out of four? Well, I mean, first of all, the Clemson game, the weird part is we didn't even have Wuga Poplar, which kind of surprised people. Like, how did you win this game without arguably your best perimeter score? But, I mean, basically how we won this game is we couldn't miss from deep. You know, we shot 45.8% from three on 24 attempts. You know, everyone was kind of on their one. You know, Keyshawn George had one of his more breakout games that game as well. Uh, you know, no bench contribution because that's kind of how Miami plays. We had 95 points from our starters alone. Uh, and, you know, we were able to frustrate uh, P.J. Hall and Joseph Garrard. He was kind of shooting some lily-dilly shots. But, you know, it was just a hot shooting game. That's when Miami's able to thrive, you know, get into the line. We missed one free throw. We had 15 attempts. Um, but, you know, and then we go into the Wake Forest game. You know, we had the momentum. You know, uh, we get Poplar back, if I do remember correctly. And then we go out there and we have a chance to win the game in regulation. You know, you give the ball to – the most clutch play. Well, sorry, Poplar was not good for that game, but we were still great that game. You know, Keyshawn George, you know, our uh, freshman from Switzerland, 21 points in that game, eight eight rebounds. And then you give the ball to Matthew Cleveland at the end of that game before overtime with regulation on the line. And, you know, he's a guy who not only do people know for hitting the game winner against us uh, last year in the Watsco Center as a Florida State Seminole, but he's done it before on other teams in the ACC. And then, you know, you put the ball in your clutches player hand. He wasn't able to hit a shot. And then we get outscored in overtime because, you know, um, Miller and Salas were just unstoppable that game. And, you know, unfortunately, it's been a downhill slide from there. I feel like it's been a lack of confidence, you know, and people kind of learning how to game plan around us. I mean, Louisville was just absolutely embarrassing. You know, Matthew Cleveland was the only guy that could hang us in there. And then Virginia Tech, you know, it was a quad one win. But if you look at it, you know, Hunter Couture didn't play. And he's one of their best players on the perimeter. And I think that would have been the four-point difference that would have won them that game. So uh, the way I'm seeing it, it really should be a four-game losing streak. And, I mean, Clemson hasn't looked the same since we beat them as well. So they've been kind of, you know, going downhill as well. So it, it's just a really bad look because, you know, we go into Barclays Center to play Colorado and, you know, it's going to be a time to get, to get ourselves back on track after an embarrassing Kentucky loss. And they beat the brakes out of, off of us without, you know, their star freshman Cody Williams. And here we are now, you know, a team that was made a, a, a Cinderella run, I would say, to the final four. And, you know, it was in the Elite Eight the year before that. And uh, there's a reason why we're not looking like that right now. And it's, you know, I'll go back to it. It's because no Jordan, no Isaiah and uh, a team without, uh, you know, some cohesiveness at the end of the day. Mm. And this is so surprising because it's like, again, this, uh, this is not a Kentucky team that you're not rocking with a bunch of freshmen. Like you're not rocking with a coach that struggled to win or struggled to find an identity or anything like that. It's just, uh, it has been shocking to see, like I said, watching some of the, uh, the Kentucky game getting away from the, like, the highlights. It has been shocking to see that, you know, how chunky or how clunky your offensive flow has been, how much I've struggled to take the ball um, for, like I said, the talent on that roster. Um, but for me, and I, I'll throw it to you, like I said, I'm keeping on my my Miami stock. If y'all can get into the tournament, even like get hot in the, in the ACC tournament, um, to start feeling good about y'all selves, like I don't think there's a better. Let me see. 
I don't I don't see it. I can't think of a better collection of shot makers that have been in the moment um, than y'all right now. So I guess in terms of peak performance, like you said, trust me, that Clemson, Clemson looking bad is definitely not looking good for Memphis either. Between Clemson, Texas A&M, Arkansas, yeah, our resume is looking worse and worse by the day. But, you know, all the time we play games on your schedule. What is what is the best iteration? What does the optimal Miami team look like? Is that a guy in Matthew Cleveland facilitating? Is that Poplar facilitating? Is that a pack, you know, playing on ball? Like, what can this Miami team look like in this most – what does it look like in this most optimal form? I think it has to be Pack holding the ball. I think, you know, we saw him against Virginia Tech. He was the reason why we won that game. And he was the reason why we got, you know, within, uh, you know, two points several times against Florida State last night. He hit three big three-point shots, ignore his, you know, rather poor uh, efficiency. But his second-half performance was insane for what he was able to do to Miami. And, you know, when he's able to do that pick-and-roll with Norchad O'Meara, you know, I've, I kept iterating this in my articles over at Fan Nation, but, you know, Wuga Poplar cannot be an on-ball player. Unfortunately, he tends to over-dribble too much. You know, he kind of moves his body way too much. And with that, you know, tends to lose the ball at times. Um, you know, Benzie Joseph, you know, while he is a solid secondary ball handler, he does tend to make a lot of mistakes as well. You know, the optimal form for them is, you know, you have Matthew Cleveland doing stuff like cutting. You know, he's also still... He's been a great jump shooter since coming to Miami, which people didn't expect him. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. But you want the Norchad Omir and Nigel Pack pick and roll. You want guys like Bensley Joseph and Wuga Poplar spotted up. And you want guys like Matthew Cleveland moving around, you know, whether that be through off ball screens or through drives or cutting. Uh, but no, yeah, this team it needs to find a way around it. And then, you know, defensively, boxing out. Boxing out was a bad problem last night. You know, I watched them at practice the day before, work on box out and rebounding drills. And then, you know, I saw a lot of lazy box outs out of there as well. So as much as you want to run in transition, Miami might have to tone that back, you know, when they're playing defense and make sure you not let a team get tons of offensive rebounds. Because when you go against the Kyle Filipowski's and the Armando Baycott's of the world, they're going to punish you. Mm. Y'all get, get access to practice? That's crazy. Um, <laughs> Let me ask you this in terms of our matchup um, on Saturday and then going forward. Um, like you said, you expressed some uh, some high praise for uh, for Syracuse in the guard play with Judah. I think that you know he hasn't taken the um, step in terms of jump shooting that you out you would have liked to see to kind of solidify himself as a, uh, a first round guy. But it's undeniable he's probably the most dynamic underclass in in, um, in the ACC right now. Um, so, what is your predictions and what um, I thought on you if Miami wins this game? What does it look like? And I get the Syracuse perspective. Well, I mean, I'll go right in – yeah, so with this game, I mean, before the season started, I know you said, you know, this was expected to be kind of a quad one win chance for you guys. And when I looked at this game, uh, I wrote it down in one of my articles. I said, this is a trap game for Miami, I feel. You know, especially coming off an FSU game, whether how that result went, now it's a loss. So who knows? You know, you're going up to a snowy environment up in upstate New York, Syracuse. You know, again, facing a guy like Judah Mintz who, you know – 
people may look at, oh, well, he's shooting 37%. Well, okay, that's not really indicative of how he's been in ACC play. He's made three three-pointers in ACC play. But nonetheless, a dynamic guard who's been able to get to the bucket, you know, he shoots well from free throw for at least college level. And, you know, you still got guys like J.J. Starling so forth. But in terms of my prediction, uh, if Miami is able to win this game, I think it proves a lot for going forward. I mean, looking at the rest of the schedule, you have winnable games of Notre Dame, Pitt, you know, NC State's been kind of well. And then you get Virginia Tech to come back. But, you know, and then you go into the month of February and it all goes AWOL. So I think this is a necessary game to win for Miami. You know, if we're able to have whoever it be, maybe Bensley Joseph or, you know, um, Wuga Poplar, or maybe even uh, Matthew Cleveland that has to be able to stop Judah Mintz, contain him, uh, whatever it takes. But if we are, I would say my prediction for this game, uh, I think right now I'm just leaning on the side of a win. Uh, I feel like if we won last night, I actually would think of more of a loss. I think we would have gotten our heads about this. But I think uh, we come in, and I don't think this is going to be um, a blowout at all. I think it's a really close game. I think it comes down uh, to a possession or two. And uh, I'd say Miami, you know, takes this win, you know, 81-79. I think it's a super close matchup. And I could see it go either way because, you know, if if Syracuse is able to attack Omir, get him in foul trouble, I'm not confident with our backup reserves, uh, what they're able to do at the uh, four or five position. So Okay. And it's crazy for y'all. I mean, y'all have – I'm here on bballnet.com. Y'all have recruiting us, which is one seven quad of opportunities um going forward. But more than likely y'all beat us because we're literally we're 75 in there right now. The quad on the wins are away games one through 75. So if y'all beat us, it's more than likely gonna turn to a quad two game, two quad two win anyway. So it's you're damned if you do, damn you don't kind of for y'all. But um for us, like I said, we need more quad one opportunities. We need as many as we can. We don't we unfortunately don't have that many. Um, but I don't know. This team has proven to be better than bad teams and not as good as good teams. They <laughs> got blown out convincingly in the uh, in Maui and Hawaii, Honolulu, um, by Gonzaga, who's no longer ranked. Tennessee, how do we know with Dalton Connect doing look like looking like the best player in the SEC? But I don't know. Like I said, maybe I'm from Tennessee. I've seen Rick Barnes choke before, have really good regular seasons, and not and not even just in Tennessee at Texas too. So until I see him. You know, get through the second weekend. I'm a, I'm a little whatever on Tennessee, especially if whatever they can provide outside of uh, connect. But um, I think that this Syracuse team needs some confidence for sure. Like I said, we beat up on Pitt um two times. Who again? That no longer a quad one win either because of how they've been struggling. Even though I like uh, Bob Carrington a lot, but no, I think that if we were to able to beat this Miami team, that would be um some solidification in the way that we haven't been able to get it so far this season. And um, like I, even for y'all. Um, y'all have a, like you, see, you talk about uh some of the qual the the steps amongst the seven quad one opportunities y'all have. I think y'all because I think y'all are talented and just come with the circumstances y'all have a lot more winnable games. Uh, like I said, NC away game NC State very winnable for y'all, especially if DJ Horn can keep his middle fingers to himself. Um, <laughs> Virginia, um, who's been struggling, they just beat Virginia Tech but again. Definitely not who. Uh, oh, they can't cannot no, say that. Not at all. Even worse than that, they usually are. Again, because Memphis beat them, of course they're gonna suck now. Um, wow. said then um, Duke UNC, like I said, y'all got blown up by Kentucky, but I don't think that y'all are really talented. And outside of Filipowski, um, they got McCain, they got Proctor, um, they got Roche, but it's I don't know. I've seen all those guys struggle at once, and 
yeah. they've kind of they've all kind of come on right now. Play so even for y'all's quad one opportunities. Um, here's what I'm saying, Liam. Y'all could give us this one. You feel what I'm saying? We need this one just a little bit more than y'all. If I think that we are gonna win, I think kind of like what you said, it comes down to uh not only uh, us, uh, JJ and Judah and Quadir Copeland, who I'm really high on. He needs to be a starter now. Them getting downhill and getting Omir in foul trouble, but um whether or not Omir's in foul trouble or not. Getting out in transition, like let's say we, I think we had two of the fastest guards in ACC, and you talking about um, our inability to score or inability to shoot. Getting, in, getting out of transition kind of negates that a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Y'all got a lot of guards, but they're smaller guards. And, you know, I've, I've seen them struggle defensively, whether it be Poplar, whether it be Peck, who's already a very a smaller guy anyways. And, um, you know, Matthew Cleveland, like I said, I'm really high in terms of NBA draft prospect-wise, but you could probably agree he definitely he runs – his motor runs hot and cold. So I think that he's a he's a guy like y'all can't be taken advantage of defensively, especially without you know that towering rim presence. And I think that if we're going to win, um, that's where it comes down to honestly us being able to you know get out of transition, you know making sure that Judah and JJ are getting downhill, they're being efficient not only um at the rim but in that mid range game that they really um succeed at, and um just shooting well enough to keep y'all honest. Justin Taylor has been okay. He hit two threes at Pitt. He only had one three in conference before that. Um, Quadir Copeland is five from 11 for three. He's a non-shooter that's shooting almost 50%. So that's cool. Um, we don't need to look like Golden State. We just need to keep – we just need to have enough threes to uh, – that y'all don't go zone, that y'all are not sagging off J.J. and sitting middle elbows on uh, JJ, J.J. and Judah. Let's keep y'all honest. Um, and here's what I'll say about – I don't know because, you know, we think about it. We talk about these guys. These guys are still college students. The, I mean – coming off a break for saying, you know, like you mentioned, it's a it's a relatively quick turnaround for collegiate basketball in terms of a late Wednesday night game and then traveling across the country for a Saturday matinee. It's um like I said, it, it can take some time to get uh adjusted. And um I'm talking I'm rambling because I'm trying to see like I said, I think Miami's the better team. I think that y'all are a lot more talented. But between how y'all been playing, how we've been playing and then like going from Florida to Upstate New York to play a basketball game, like that definitely can that can be a lot on the psyche. Um, I had in my recommendations that y'all would win. I guess I'll stick with that because I have us at twenty-one and 10, 12 and eight in the ACC. And like I said, this loss is when I I figured in. Um, I just man, like I said, I'm a guy that bets on talent. Between said Pack Cleveland, who he'll def I feel like he'll definitely have something to take after his Florida State revenge game. Definitely didn't go oh. as planned. Like I, I can see him coming in, you know, with a, with a, a mindset ready to uh, to kind of make up for that. And um, I don't know, like I, I like JJ and Judah personally. I like the way they've been playing, but they're just um, they can they can be very inefficient. And I think that you know, as much as y'all struggle to score, I think that age the 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 A quality A tier guy that y'all have is, is higher than ours. And the way that they get. You know their backs is a lot easier than us. It's a, for Jay, Judah especially, um, he can get to the rim, but it's a lot of tough pull ups, a lot of tough contested mid ranges, and for the most part, um, Cleveland does a lot of the rim. But he's six seven, of course, you're gonna do that. But uh, I will say all three of y'all's main guards are better shooters than either one of our guys. So I'm gonna predict. You say eighty one seventy nine. I'll go seventy nine seventy four Miami. Um, but I I say there's a lot because you know. Okay, team, got to take some from the losses. I think that there's a there is a scenario to where the Syracuse team can feel good about themselves coming out of having not beat Miami. Whether it's you know Malik oh. Brown holds Omir in check, 
whether we can, we see some continued um, shooting prowess from Cordero Copeland. If Jason Taylor can get back on track shooting the ball, you know, that would be great too. So, uh, but no, I just think that, like I said, it's a team that I would have, um, like I, I would predict to go to the second weekend if y'all can somehow manage to get into the tournament. And I'm just, um, we're, we're better than bad teams and we're not as good as a good team. And I think despite y'all's record, y'all are a good team. Yeah, no, I think, like I said, with the prediction thing, I think if Omir gets in foul trouble early, I, I think this game's a Syracuse game. I think they, they'll they run with it. So I think it totally reminds that because, you know, really we only have one bench player that we can really trust, and that's Keyshawn George, who, you know, despite being a freshman, you know, he's been great from the perimeter and so forth, but he still has his struggles because we truly don't have a backup reserve big. And, you know, we have to run with A.J. Casey or – Maybe even Matthew Cleveland playing small ball five. I, I don't like our chances there. So hope and pray that we can keep Omir, you know, out of foul trouble, get some other guys to rack up those fouls if you have to. And uh, we'll see from there. But I think it's going to be an exciting game. Like I said, I always had this marked down as a trap game for Miami because uh, we actually got to go on the road to Notre Dame later uh, that next week. So uh, it's going to be back-to-back cold environments, uh, you know, for our Florida boys. So we'll see how they handle it. And um I think it's going to be an exciting game nonetheless. Uh, I want to see what Judah's able to do against our team because, um, you know, that's one of the top guards in the conference. And uh, we need we need, we need need some confidence if we're going to even do anything against UNC and Duke because we, we've taken care of business against them in the past years. But uh, the question is, can we do the same this year? So, you know, looking forward after this game, like I said, we're actually both shooting in the exact same record, 12 and 5 and 3 and 3 in conference. Y'all are higher than net because y'all actually have a quad one win. Um, so what is it what look what does it look like going forward for y'all? Like are panic buttons being hit, alarms being sounded if y'all lose this game? Is there a situation that, you know, there needs I mean, I I think that even right now there needs to be done there needs to be work done on y'all's resume to make sure that y'all are in the, the tournament. Um so what like what a, give me a record prediction for the rest of the year? What games do you see as the most crucial games for y'all left on the schedule? And um are you as big a believer in this team still as I am? Yeah, no, I think in terms of well, maybe not prediction, but what needs to happen, uh, these next four games to end up the month, you need to go three and one. You know, whether that be dropping a win to Syracuse, uh, or dropping a win to NC State, losing the Notre Dame and Pitt would be absolutely dreadful. I think that that might may as well put us in the NIT tournament unless we're able to win the ACC. I think that's that's literally where it goes for me in my eyes. But going from there, Virginia Tech coming back to play us at Miami. I think we do take care of business there, despite you know whether they have Couture back. I think you know that's a hostile environment to go play in. Uh, then going to play at Virginia, I'm kind of worried about this game, despite them you know as bad as they've been offensively and you know how's good as we are as an offensive team, you know, I'm scared that their defense is going to put us in a, you know, lock us down that entire game. So I'll chop that up as a loss. And then, you know, we got North Carolina, Clemson, you know, Boston College while they're great, great, you know, Quinton Post has been having one of the better seasons in the ACC this year. And then you face Duke and then you get a break game with Georgia Tech and then you go to North Carolina and then you end the season off with Boston College again in Florida State. Um, I, I'd say in terms of what can happen, I think Miami can realistically only lose three games from Syracuse and on. I, I don't think that their chances are going to look well. You know, if they lose three games going on, they probably still need to make it pretty far in the ACC tournament or, you know, just win it outright. But it's going to be a confusing thing. I'd say, you know, I think there's about 14 games left. So one, two, three, 
Yeah, 14. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, 14 games left. I'd say we have to go, you know, 11 and three to end the season off. I think that's the bare minimum that's going to be able to take us back in this tournament because I understand what you're saying and I totally see it. You know, we're a team that if we're hot, we're going to win a lot of games and, you know, we might be able to make another run in the tournament. But, you know, you got to get there first and that's, you know, the whole battle. So I think 11 and three, finish the season off 14 and six in conference play. And uh, we'll see from there. So I think that's where it needs to be. And unrealistically, I, I think it might be something along the lines of nine and five. I, I'm kind of scared if this team self implodes, but you know, at least there's the bright side to look at that. You know, we have one of the more talented freshmen in the country coming in uh, with Julio Bethea, uh, you know, top 10 recruit. Uh, next year. He, he's been cooking. I, I saw I, him I, in Hoopal. My gosh. Y'all have him for a year. That'll be nice. Oh, no. Yeah, no, no, no. We'll have him for a year. He's hitting NBA level step backs, you know, and then Austin Sports as well has been a talent. He's one of the more talented shooting guards as well in that class. So there's always next year to look forward to. But um, there's still something to salvage if, like I said, if I mean, if we sweep the rest of this month, I think it's really positive looking. But, you know, to go, you get Duke and North Carolina at home and then you'll face North Carolina on the road. You know, you need to win one of those North Carolina or Duke games. I think that's it's on, you know, no if, and, or buts about that. You need that quad one win. And against, of course, an ACC team that, you know, poses a threat to you in any sort of way possible. That literally leading to my next question. Um, like I said, y'all have one quad one win right now. Um, like I said, a very bad quad four loss right Louisville. So let me just, like you say, based on what you're uh, – you project you're looking at between best case scenario 23 and 8, 12 and 4 in conference, 12 and 5 in conference, or 21 and 10, 12 and 8 in conference, 14 and 5 in conference. I pro- that's actually what I projected us at 21, 10, 12 and 8 in conference. And you know, we want to get in, do some work in the AC tournament. Um, how about this? Because like I said, seven quad one game. Well, or technically so is it Syracuse uh, at Syracuse, at NC State, at Clemson. Um, at Virginia, like you mentioned, man, that's about a quad one way games. Um, and then home versus Duke. Um, oh, then hey, okay, so six out of y'all, so five out of y'all last seven quad opportunities are away from home, which huh, a little bit tough. Um, Liam, what do you want? What do you think gives Charlotte the tournament in terms of the, a record for those quad one games? I think you, I think you got to win. Uh, two of the three uh, UNC-Duke games. I think uh, you got to get a big revenge game against Florida State to kind of get that off your uh, shoulders, and you can't lose at Virginia. Mm, so minimum of what, like four and three? Like minimum of like four and three at least? And like you said, a big res- big shining prize with those yeah. one of those Duke and UNC wins. Okay, so that's – um. let me ask you this. Can getting – Going fourth or getting really two out of three of those Duke UNC games could that offset another potential bad loss like a Notre Dame, like a Georgia Tech? Well, like, a hundred percent. I mean, think about this. Let's say you you win, you know, Boston College before before the uh, Georgia Tech game. You win Duke, Boston College, and Clemson. You can say you drop the yeah, UNC game. That's fine. But let's say you're coming off a three game winning streak, playing at home to Georgia Tech. I could totally see us losing that game. I mean, we've seen Georgia Tech. Uh, they've had uh, a couple decent wins this year already. And, you know, that doesn't mean they don't have any more left in the bag. So I could definitely see that. 
uh, that would probably be, you know, that would put the end of the season. And I think if we lost the Georgia Tech at home for, you know, our second to last home game and, you know, definitely cannot lose the FSU twice because sure they've been great in ACC play, but you know, how does that fare when it comes down to looking at their NCAA tournament resume? So we'll see. I think, yeah, there's definitely, we definitely like to get into our heads too much. I mean, look what happened with, you know, uh, we beat Clemson. We were after the four game. We had a four game winning streak. Then we went to Wake Forest. We lost a heartbreaking game, but you know we felt confident from that because they were on one of the biggest winning streaks in the country. And then we come home and we lose to one of the worst teams in the country, not only this year but even the last two years combined. Yeah, it's actually I guess yeah, as a Memphis guy having you know had a, a, rival, a rivalry with Louisville. It is it's it's sad what Kenny Payne's done to that program, and especially as an alum like this. It's like it's, like I said, probably one of the saddest stories in college basketball that that's on the court. Um, Liam, thank you so much for your time. Um, to wrap up, um, because I like to, I like to share perspective. You know, yeah. what are some of your overarching thoughts on this Syracuse team? Um, like I said, just overall, and what are some of the things like what are some perspective that you can see from outside that you think some more fans need to hear or maybe haven't heard before. Yeah, I mean, I think you guys got to understand you have played one of the hardest conference, I mean, schedules in the nation. I mean, let's take a look at your strength of schedule, you know, per basketball reference. You've played the ninth hardest strength of schedule in the country. I mean, look at the teams that you've had to play, you know, Tennessee, like you said, one of the best teams in the country. Sure, Gonzaga wasn't a good one while you look back at it, but at the end of the day, they're still Gonzaga. Uh, and then, you know, Virginia kind of got you before they started falling off. And then, you know, Duke and North Carolina beat you up. But otherwise, you've looked great besides that. I mean, you're, you've are you lost five games, and all of them have been to very quality opponents. So it's not going to take too much. You know, let's say you're able to sneak away with a North Carolina win or win both games at Clemson. I mean, win both games against Clemson or you're able to win, you know, on Saturday against Miami. This season's really much alive for you guys. And when you have a star guy like Judah Mintz, the way he's been playing, you know, star players are what you're able to carry these kind of teams, especially when it gets later in the February, March, so on and so forth. So I think there's no way, you know, even if you guys lose to Miami that, you know, it's shut the season off because there's still a lot of quality games you can get there, you know, go into Wake Forest and get a win. That's going to be an opportunity to get a big win there as well. Um, and, you know, NC State, you know, like you said, they're so, so, but, you know, they're one of the best teams in the ACC in terms of record wise right now. So, there's still a lot of quality wins to get out there, you know, beat up on those bad teams like Louisville. Please do it for us. Uh, <laughs> Notre Dame, so on and so forth. But no, there's definitely so much of a season alive. And, you know, like you said, you still got a lot of pieces moving uh, into this lineup uh, that could, you know, come around. And I think there's, there's no reason to turn the off switch on this team. Uh, you know, if you lose to Miami or regardless of what happens, you know, even after that. So I think there's definitely some, some stuff that people don't want to uh, like to see, but, you know, I think I see some promise with this team, at least, you know, going forward for this season and so on and so forth. No, like I said, that perspective is needed. You know, I said, we're going to get a quad one game or like it's because Oregon just became a quad one. When we beat them with like, they had nobody. Like they had like five, six guys missing. And um, they're two bigs and there's uh, that Biddle and Fonte and then Cook was out too. So it was like, whatever, but Hey, they just got they just cracked 50 in the net, got a quad one win. You feel what I'm saying? That then it's a, a fair exchange for Pittsburgh not being what they're supposed to be. Um, so yeah, like kind of bears out what you said, honestly. 
Uh, one in five in quad one, like I said, we're Oregon just sneaking in there. Um, but seven and zero in quad two and three, like again, really undefeated outside of quad one, honestly. So, yeah. like I said, better than bad teams just haven't been able to measure up some good, some good teams. So, like I said, if we're gonna get a quad one game. Like I said, Silas has looked really good for Way Forest, but I think that would be a manageable one for us. Um, NC State needs to stay good, so playing them um, and at away in a quad one game. By the time we get there, and um, you know, playing at Clemson, like you said, they've been struggling, um, and they have been they've proven to be um, they've proven that they can lose even when Shefflin and Hall are on. So yeah. I think that between the Clemson game, NC State game, or the Wake Forest game. Um, either one of those three or even two of those three, plus some work in ACC tournament, that'll uh, at least that I was feeling good about ourselves, especially Coach Red's first year. And, you know, it was, there was a decent amount of excitement. Um, Chance Westry, the guy that hasn't been able to play for us, who was expected to add some pop off the bench from Auburn. You know, the Benny Williams experience has continued to be an experience, but he's, he's, he's got some consistency in, uh, in uh, conference play. But in general, it was like, well, the other prestige and pedigree, um, on this program and the expectations, really, um, you can't be mad. You can. You can do whatever you want. But it will be unrealistic to be mad at a first-year head coach in the ACC to get 20 wins, 21 wins, and have uh-huh. a winning record in conference. So I think that, like you said, that perspective needs to be needed. Um, and it's just all – it's a thing that, you know, it could look a lot worse with the way that he re-recruited his own roster, bringing back Judah, bringing back Chris, bringing back Benny. Um, and also being able to, like, establish his own style in a way that – you know, it's hard to follow a guy that's been doing the same job for five decades and not do it the same way as him, not running his own, not only have a seven-man rotation, you know, and he's been able to do it, um, I would say, successfully. So I think that, again, thank you for the perspective, um, yeah. the calm down, some of the masses. And also I think that, you know, like I said, while it hasn't been proven that we're a good team yet, I think that, you know, the record belies some of the things that we can do. So it's like I said, I think I can definitely see it punching above our weight. And like it's kind of on a uh, unless it's scared of y'all, you know, guard play runs college basketball. And I think that the the two guys that we have in Judah and JJ, especially if they're knocking down shots from outside, you know, like I said, we have a puncher's chance. We have the ability to play with anybody in the country. So that's um that's something that like I said, hopefully can come comes through a little bit stronger in the back in the conference play. Potentially in postseason play, whether it be NCAA, NIT, or in the ACC tournament. But I think that, like I said, them hearing it from somebody besides me, they'll validate it a little bit more. But um, like I said, Liam, thank you for the time. This was fun. We're going to do it again. You know what I'm saying? Oh. Can't wait to see you at the top five years from now when we're living our plush um, luxury penthouse lives. And I'm like, oh, God, yeah. remember when we did this? It'll be fun. <laughs> I have a friend in Miami now, so now I'm going to definitely pull the self invite to come down and kick it with oh. you whenever. And, oh. um, like I said, I'm not going to be in sixty too much longer. So, you want to come to upstate New York? Experience? <laughs> no. Um, like hospitality, um, some really good food, like Italian food, stuff like that. I'm your man. You feel what I'm saying? But, man, thank you so much. Um, like I said, we'll see you on Saturday. Big game for both teams. Yeah. But, uh, I'm Josh Crawford. That is Liam Willer of um, Believe in Syracuse podcast. We're out of here, y'all.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.